0: From the Maine Community Foundation, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people, on the web at mainecf.org.
1: The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at weru.org. Coastal Conversations with your host Natalie Springle is up next.
2: Good morning and welcome to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. We explore issues facing Maine's coastal communities through dialogue with people who live, work and play on our coast. From fisheries to tourism, from energy to environment, from economy to ecology, we go beyond the social media sound bites, probing deeply into complex issues and solutions. Coastal Conversations is produced with help from the University of Maine Sea Grant program, whose mission is to support Maine's coastal communities through research, outreach, and education. In partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Maine, Maine Sea Grant brings marine science to Maine people. We're about to engage in the heart and soul of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our coast and our communities. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour of Coastal Conversations. This morning, our topic is Experience Maritime Maine. Experience Maritime Maine is a partnership of all kinds of maritime-related organizations, businesses, and coastal communities working together to promote and preserve our unique maritime cultural heritage and also through heritage tourism efforts. And we'll hear all about this initiative and also about Maine's maritime heritage in general and other related maritime heritage initiatives and film festivals and all kinds of interesting things that are going on related to our heritage. Before I jump in to introduce our guests, we have four really really great guests in the studio. I'm excited to hear from all of them. Um, I just wanted to remind you all that it is pledge drive time. And if you're a fan of community radio um, and you're a fan of this show, by all means, give us a shout, call the studio at 1-800-643-6273 and support community radio. Um, Everyone who has supported on public affairs programs all this week, um, there will be a pledge or actually there will be a drawing this afternoon at 5 p.m. Um, and anyone who's pledged on or called in during public affairs programs uh, will be in the running to win a new book by Jane Maynor called Dark Money, the Hidden History of the Billionaires Behind the Rise of the Radical Right. So if you're interested in that book, give a call to the station um, and uh, you'll be put into the running. So let's jump right into the program. So um, So today we'll learn about Experience Maritime Maine, and also um, we'll talk a lot about what it is that makes Maine's maritime heritage so unique and so compelling for visitors, but also for all of us who live here. Um, So I'm excited about our guests today. We are joined in the studio um, by Kathy Goldner of Penobscot Marine Museum. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Hi. Um, we are joined by Meg Maiden of the Maine Windjammer Association. Hi, Meg. Good morning. And Brooke Minor of Northeast Historic Films. Good morning. And Rich Hillsinger of Wooden Boat School.
3: Hi, nice to be here.
2: And for those of you who are regular WERU listeners, you might <clears throat> recognize a couple of the names of our guests who are also involved in other shows on the stations. Um, but today they're here with their day jobs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So um, a little bit later, we'll try to open up the phone lines. And, of course, we encourage you to call the station to um, contribute to community radio. But in the meantime, um, let's jump right in. And um, we're going to talk about all kinds of things today related to the work that these four folks do and their organizations um, and how they're connected to Maine's Maritime Heritage. But they're all connected to this larger initiative called Experience Maritime Maine. Um, And um, let's start there. Let's ask Kathy Goldner, who's with Penobscot Marine Museum, to tell us a little bit about what the larger initiative called Experience Maritime it Maine is. What's it all about? Well, this is a cultural heritage tourism
4: initiative, and it's been around since about 2008. Um, the idea really is marketing everything maritime about Maine, which is basically everything on the coast. Uh, as as a whole, kind of like Virginia is for lovers. You know, we want to create that sense about the maritime cultural heritage here. And so we, in 2012, a group of people got together, uh, maritime-related organizations, chambers of commerce, um, some people sitting around the table here, and we work very closely with the main office of tourism. We decided that uh, we would... Um, write some grants and uh, put a website together to create this sense of excitement around everything maritime happening in Maine. And so we have a really uh, stunningly beautiful website, Experience Maritime Maine. If you haven't seen it, have a look. Um, has interactive maps. It has stories about different activities you can do. There's a blog that talks about uh, all the events that we Um, manage to discover and and if you're out there and have an event you know please send it to us Um, we do we're active on social media we um just recently got a grant uh, from the sewell foundation to create um audio podcasts so we have we're going out to six communities and um we've hired a radio producer um rob rosenthal who used to be with the salt institute in portland And uh, he is going out to these communities and basically collecting oral histories around what's going on. We just had our first meeting in Stonington. We've been to Searsport. We're going to be in Eastport um, next week. We're doing six of them. Um, We're creating uh, maritime-related itineraries, and we are sending um, a... uh, professional PR person to the Maine Media Marketplace to promote everything maritime in Maine in New York City in March.
2: Great, thanks. Um, And Meg from Maine Windjammer Association, I know you've been involved in this initiative for a while um, and the initiative brings together a variety of different organizations and individuals. So how does that work? So, so tell us a little bit about your role with the initiative um, and how different organizations have been connected. I've been part of the um,
5: organization for a couple of years now, and as Kathy was saying, it uh, started out very loosely, and um, there's sort of a a small committee of people that have worked really hard to pull the website together, and that's um, come a, a long way. We launched it uh, last year at the governor's uh, tourism conference, pretty much at that time, and we're trying to grow it, trying to get other organizations to um, you know get in touch. Um, there's there's a lot of room on there. We've got some great stories, great organizations represented, and uh, there's you know the common theme of. Um, cool things to do on the coast, and we're just trying to, you know, expand that.
2: Great. Maybe between the two of you, you can share some of the organizations that have that are involved. Who who who's playing? Well, you,
4: Natalie, and um, um, Rich uh, from Wooden Boat just joined us, and um, we're going to be promoting. Um, the International um, Maritime Film Festival that uh, Brooke Minner is is doing. Um, We also, uh, we have basically where anyone can come to our monthly meetings. There is a core group of people who who work hard, as as Meg said, but we do welcome other people. We have meetings uh, twice a year for all the stakeholders. So there's one coming up in April. Um, And... We So we have Chambers of Commerce involved. Um, we have the Maine Maritime Museum down in Bath. Um, the uh, Portland CVB, um, Jen Tomlinson uh, comes to our monthly committee meetings. Um, we've just been joined by Monique Coombs, who wears so many hats, I can't quite remember which one she...
2: I think she's the with Seafood. the Maine
4: Coast Fishermen's Association. That's right, that's right. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing people, Meg. Well, I think,
5: um, in addition to the members, the stakeholders who come, I think the website itself is, um, showcasing all types of organizations, you know, everything from, um, you know, lighthouses where you can go out and spend the night to, um, um, you know, coastal walks that you can take, you know, boat trips that you can go out on, um. Uh, we're starting to include aquaculture and um, oyster tastings and that sort of thing. So it's, um, it's, it's everything and anything.
2: Very diverse and growing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's hear a little bit more about the organizations that you all represent. So Meg, you're with the Maine Windjammer Association. Tell us a little bit about what the Maine Windjammer Association is.
5: Sure. Um, we are a group of nine privately owned and operated at windjammers. We sail out of Camden and Rockland from May to October. And uh, basically, it's a vacation where you can go from, you know, for a, a couple of days to up to a week on these historic schooners. Most of them are National Historic Landmarks. And you just uh, pack your bag. You, you, it's a small group of people that you'll be sailing with. It might be anywhere from 16 to 40 guests, depending on which uh, vessel you sign up for. And uh, you just um, head off, no itinerary. You probably sail about six hours a day, and then you'll drop anchor in a new spot where you can usually go ashore. All of the boats have little tenders, uh, little sailboats, rowboats, paddleboards. So if you haven't gotten your fill of sailing, you can uh, do a little more um, at the end of the day. Um, you're fed these amazing meals. You know, Most of them are cooked on wood stoves and uh, you it's a great platform for for seeing, you know, beautiful scenery, wildlife and um,
2: totally relaxing. And you said the the wind jammers themselves are historic, right? So tell uh, us a little bit about yes. some of the
5: boats. And what's really neat is this whole vacation is um, you know, it's a it's a throwback. Uh, it started in the 1930s. Um the boats themselves, many of them actually date to the 1800s. But in the 1930s, it was a time when uh, sale was not um, as important in transporting goods like, like it had been. Um, there, there was railroad, steam power. And so all of a sudden, there were all these little wooden schooners that no one wanted. They were kind of getting tied up at the dock, left to rot. I mean, you could pick them up very easily. And so a man by the name of Frank Swift came up with the idea of um, taking one, and you know, putting in some basic accommodations and seeing if anyone would want to come out sailing for a week. You know, see the coast that way on a coasting schooner. And uh, you know, the legend has it that you know he had three people that came, and you know they paid twenty-five dollars a week. And but the idea caught on, and since then the fleet has grown. Um, although the experience, you know, is is very similar to the way it was. Yeah, with much much better food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, the other kind of interesting thing over the years, I mean, there have been some changes. Amenities have um, improved a little bit, although it's not, um, this is not a, a luxury vacation. It's, it's you know, closer to camping, um, but, um, but now people, you know, they want to go out. They want to see the coast, learn about the history of the area, but sometimes they want to combine a, another passion or interest, so uh, we've seen a trend in offering um, more specialty cruises, so you can you know if you're a real lighthouse fanatic you know you can sign up for a trip that specializes in that and you might see you know 12 to 20 different lighthouses in the course of your vacation and you might get to go ashore and you know go in one sometimes the um vessels have historians on board that are specialists in lighthouses so there are all these um really neat um themes that people can um, can combine with their vacation. You know, it might be wine tasting. It might be um, the maritime history. One of our boats has offered a maritime history course. Um, actually, one of them is tied in with wooden boat. There's a seamanship course that is part of their school that takes place on one of our windjammers, the schooner Mary Day. So there's um, there's there's something for everyone.
2: Great, great. And uh, we have in the studio with us Rich Hillsinger, who is with the Wooden Boat School. So tell us a little bit about the Wooden Boat School. Sure. And, and link it back to the seamanship class, which well, sounds really fun.
3: Yeah. Well, one of the first things I'd like to say is this entity here, Experience Maritime Maine, is, is very cool. There's so much potential in it. And rather than all of us out there trying to do things individually as a group or whatever, now we have an opportunity to work together. Great. And, uh, and to turn as many people on as we can about the heritages of this wonderful state, especially marine related. And Wooden Boat, the magazine that a lot of people are familiar with, we've been, this is our 44th year, I think, 43rd, oh. 44th year. Yeah. Recognized around the world and in a lot of people's minds, it's the Bible of the wooden boat industry. Wooden Boat School is just a uh, Getting ready to uh, approach its 36th season, so uh, the the school is is in a very real sense uh, the pages of Wooden Boat Magazine coming alive, and uh, we operate from the middle of May until the early part of October, offering close to a hundred hands-on courses. That's an important part of it. It's it's hands-on education. Um, people from all over the world coming to take classes. Um, For a lot of different reasons, whether they want to get into the marine industry or whether they are curious and want to become an amateur boat builder or just a hobbyist, whatever. Learn how to sail, uh, blacksmithing, metalworking, watercolors, photography, you name it, we've probably tried to offer it as long as there's a connection with the marine world. And uh, our purpose is to honor the uh, history the tradition, and especially the craftsmanship of our marine heritage.
2: Great, great. And so uh, I didn't realize that that there was such a diversity of the classes. I, I thought it was mostly wooden boats, so, mm. so it's all kinds of different things.
3: We have learned over the years that, boy, you know, to try to reach as large an audience as possible, you have to try everything and anything. And, uh, you know, for instance, our watercolor and oil painting program has come about from simply students who have come and say, boy, I'd like to bring my spouse back or my partner or part of my family up. This is such an amazing place, but they're not really interested in a boat building course or a sailing course. So
2: that way they have something, they have
3: something to come up and their interest as well. Right. And, and those sort of related craft courses, uh, Appeal to people who have some prior experience in them, but also to a lot of people who have never really thought about perhaps picking up a paintbrush or picking up a camera or delving into metalworking and so on and so forth. So it's really neat. It's all about challenging oneself, you know, a program like ours. Um, Get out of your regular routine, come up, enjoy the coast of Maine and uh, try something new, learn new skills. On and on
2: and on. Great. Yeah. Great. And uh, we also have in the studio with us Brooke Minner. I think I'm saying it right this time. Yep. Sorry for not hearing it. it last time. That's okay. Um, so you're with Northeast Historic Films, and we'd love yeah. to hear a little bit more about that. I know you guys have a treasure trove of incredible moving images um, that depict all kinds of aspects of Maine's history, including the coast. Um, and then you're also working towards a new film festival, which sounds super exciting. Right, so um, Northeast Historic Film is a
6: regional film archive, and we're located in Bucksport. Uh, our home is the Alamo Theater, uh, which is actually celebrating its centennial this year. The Alamo opened in 1916. Um, so we specialize in um, amateur film, home movies, news broadcasts, commercials, um, sort of non non-fictional films basically not Hollywood style films and so really uh, our mission is to collect um, preserve and share the moving image history of northern New England and of course a big part of that history is maritime related Um, so we really do have um, so many beautiful films uh, many of them shot by amateurs uh, and home movies that depict uh, boat building, working waterfront, fishing. Uh, and in fact, our oldest film, and we believe it's the oldest film um, shot in the state of Maine, it's 1901 or 1902, is a very short clip of um, someone p- pulling a lobster trap by hand oh, in, a, in a small Um, but we also have some just gorgeous footage of, a. um, we have a launching of a four-masted schooner in Cherryfield that was in the 19-teens, um, it's beautifully shot and it, it depicts the, the woman, Doris Hamilton, who actually had the boat built. She was sort of a society woman from Boston and it shows her celebrating. It's, it's gorgeous stuff and, and right up through, um, Uh, up until, you know, basically modern day. So a lot of our collection is about the water in one way or another, uh, including uh, steamships and and things like that, too. Okay. Yeah.
2: And how um, can people see the films, see the collections? Yeah. So
6: a lot of our collection and and more every week uh, is available at our website, which is oldfilm.org. And you can search by subject or place, uh, just as you would a, a library catalog. Um, We also have produced over the years several um, films from our collection that are available uh, for purchase on our website or just by coming into our office, uh, which people do all the time, which is great. And then, of course, we show footage uh, all over the place. Um, I do lots of talks at uh, historical societies, museums, uh, libraries, wherever, and groups also come to Northeast Historic Film and, um, you know, have tours and then see some of our stuff in the in the theater.
2: So. And uh, are you still collecting film that people are collecting every day or filming today? Every okay. day, yeah. Great. So Great.
6: we're collecting. Um, a lot of what we do is uh, transfer people's home movies to a digital format. So lots of people have home movies either on film or even VHS, that they can no longer play. So they bring them in, we will transfer them to digital, and many times uh, at that point they'll donate the film or video to us to become part of our archive because they don't have a way to play it anymore, and now they can watch it on a DVD or on their computer. So our collection grows that way all the time. Um, We have accepted some... um, video that was made in digital format. Uh, that's kind of the—that's what's next, obviously, yeah. for us. Everybody is making movies all the time on their phone. And, um, you know, again, our mission is really to uh, collect and share amateur film from northern New England. So that means, you know, your home movies that you made on your iPhone at Christmas uh, will someday be historically significant. And Northeast Historic Film was really... Uh, kind of ahead of its time in recognizing the scholarly uh, and artistic value of amateur film and home movies uh, at a time when people didn't really think about saving them. Now it's kind of... um, kind of a thing. And there are regional archives like us all around the country and many of them are actually modeled on Northeast Historic Film. Um, so yeah, it's a very exciting organization and it's, it's very cool. And uh, we are working with Wooden Boat Publications to launch um, the International Maritime Film Festival. We're very excited about it. This will be our first year. And uh, the festival weekend is September 30th through October 2nd, this fall. Uh, so it'll be three days of uh, watching documentary films that are coming in all the time. Um, and, you know, you can, we'll be uh, choosing winners. There's a couple different categories, and we have a website, <coughs> maritimefilmfestival.com, where people can learn more. Um, but the festival weekend. In addition to the contemporary documentary films that we'll screen, we will also mix it up with archival footage from our collection that has a maritime theme. Um, so it's kind of a mixture of both. And then uh, on Saturday night of the festival weekend, we're actually going to bus participants down to Brooklyn, down to the Wooden Boat Campus, and uh, do you know lobsters on the shore and. Um, So it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Uh,
2: We're really excited about it. And um, in case any of our listeners have their interest piqued and are making films themselves, tell us a little bit about what kind of films you're looking for.
6: Yeah, great. So, And we are absolutely welcoming submissions up until June 1st. So the um, requirements are that the film be documentary. It can be made at any time, um, so there are no kind of date requirements there. And um, the two categories are just shorts and features. And 40 minutes or under for a short um, and then over that for a feature-length film. And it has to have a maritime theme at its heart. But uh, we're really looking for and hoping for a real diversity of films. So in addition to kind of, you know, beautiful sailing films on schooners or wooden boats, uh, we're also interested in films that maybe look at um, sort of ecology or science Um, Instructional films. There's a lot of really interesting instructional films that are being made around boat building or, you know, repair work. Um, So we're hoping for a real diversity, which will make the weekend very interesting and fun to watch. And and yeah, so maritimefilmfestival.com is the place to go for more information. And the films are submitted
2: through the website online. Great. Great. That sounds like it's going to be a great... Great event, and it sounds like you're hoping to do it annually? We are. We're hoping to make it an annual event.
6: Um, In addition to the festival weekend, we're going to create um, kind of a a reel of the winning films, and the folks from Wooden Boat Publications are going to show the winning films at um, boat shows and other events that they attend internationally uh, the following year. So it's kind of an ongoing uh, thing. And um, yeah, it's really exciting. I think it's going to be a wonderful thing for Northeast Historic Film and, and for downtown Bucksport, which is a community that's um, really going through a lot of transition right now. And uh, we see this as part of this sort of larger ex- um experience Maritime Maine, you know, this is a real economic driver for the community. And I think it's going to bring a lot of people to town um, who might not come otherwise. And so we're excited about that aspect of it, too. Great. Yeah. Great.
2: Um, it sounds really exciting. So um, one of the things that you said that really sort of piqued my interest was um That people are, you know, taking film today that's just sort of everyday family film. But in 75 years, that's going to have some significance to it. And I think that's... Yeah.
6: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we don't think of it that way necessarily, except that um, every single day at Northeast Historic Film, we're either working with our own collections or we're transferring people's home movies. And there's such a wealth of information contained there. Um, You can study architecture. You could look at fashion. You could look at family dynamics uh on and on um in fact we just did a kind of interesting project down east magazine was did a story about the main accent and the changing main accent and so they used our films to look at that over the years um so yeah there's a wealth of information and and if you're not um saving your films and backing them up, you should be because not only will you want them someday, but so will uh, scholars and researchers. And so um, we have uh, a three-story film vault. It's enormous. We have over 10 million feet of film. So our collection is is vast. and you know, it's not all maritime related, but really a lot of it is. Um, one of the interesting things about older home movies that I had not thought about really until I started, uh, working at Northeast Historic Film is that um, to make home movies in the 19-teens, 20s uh, it was a somewhat expensive hobby, <laughs> you know so a lot of the films were made by people who were wealthy and on the coast of Maine that means a lot of them sailed and had boats <laughs> so there's this kind of natural overlap there um, just because of the technology itself it wasn't easily accessible to most people So Fascinating
3: uh, You know Um, Natalie one of the I think most obvious things about uh what we're all involved with is history and it's that's essential you know and and uh I think we're all at this sitting at this table we're all sort of a similar age and as we get older one recognizes just how important history is and uh um, whether it has to do with fishing or whether it has to do with boat building or whether it has to do with fashion or whatever it is, you know it's really cool to, uh, to enlighten people, whether you're doing your own genealogy your family tree or whether you're uh, finding out more about the roots of, of your what you're, how you're employed and things like that. And for all of us here with all the various things we do and so many other people in the state of Maine the historical connections are just fascinating just to follow. And and again, as I mentioned earlier, and we all sort of did, all the connections, you know, the fishing fleet to the boat building fleet, uh, you know, everything else, to recreational sailing, to people coming from away up to Maine for countless years, you know, to enjoy what this state has always had to offer. It's just really, really neat to just... To see the historical perspective.
2: Yeah, and you are all involved in various aspects in sort of keeping that history alive and helping it not so not protecting it so that we stay stuck in it, but so that we keep moving forward, building our communities on that heritage that we grew up on. Um, Kathy, tell us a little bit more about the Penobscot Marine Museum. Speaking of a place that documents history both um, in incredible paintings but also some of your exhibits over the years you know things like Brooke said 75 years ago maybe just were items that people used that today are really important for sort of remembering what we were what that period was about for example.
4: Yes, actually, because we are in a transition away from traditional technology to technologies that require um, the grid and fossil fuel and electricity, whereas um, it's nice not to lose a sense of what those technologies were and um, to keep them alive in, for instance, wooden boat or or sailing. So the museum has uh, almost three acres and 12 exhibit buildings, which a lot of people don't know. People say, oh, I drive by all the time. And really, you have all that? Mm -hmm. So we have... And uh, it's in Searsport. And it's in Searsport, right on Route 1, right on the historic downtown. And again, speaking about history, the, the way Maine looks along the coast, we have all of these beautiful, pristine 19th century towns that are are so lovely and they're preserved here all up and down the coast. I I, I don't think that exists any place else. It's, it's really remarkable. And, and they're all maritime based, you know, that there's a reason that they're there and it's has to do with the ocean. So the museum was started in 1937 by, um, Joanna and Lincoln Colcord who grew up that were born actually on sailing vessels and, um, grew up sailing around the world. Um, they saw over the course of their lifetime that this way of life life was disappearing, and they wanted to preserve a sense of it, and so they started the museum. So we have um, we have boats, of course. We have small watercraft. We have a uh, beautifully preserved ship captain's house. We have um, all kinds of nautical. Um, uh, implements and materials barometers antique things like that we have um, items from the China trade which happened really after the Civil War not the not the 1700s China trade but but later when the ships that we were Maine was making the downeasters uh, were the ship of choice to go to China and Japan because the steamers couldn't they had trouble making that long um, sail. So uh, a lot of uh, China China trade items. We also have an extraordinary photography collection, which um, we are madly scanning and putting online. Um, very exciting. I, I believe we have uh, o- well over 60,000 images online, um, as I said, more scanned every day, and uh, nearly 200,000 in the collection. So that's an amazing resource um, for researchers as well as just average people who can go to our website and click on their their town or their last name and see what we have relating to, to them. Um, I, I just have to tell you about my favorite object in the museum, which is a Great. smelt scow. <laughs> and it is um 30 feet long it was built in 1934 in Winterport specifically for um, fishing for smelt on the Penobscot River and um, it's just an amazing object um, I'm sure there's not one anywhere else in any museum so um, it and it's It's beautiful. It's a beautiful folk object, 30 feet long, and it's made with the knees of those uh, Hakmatak trees.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really extraordinary. Rich, you might have your next class coming up. (laughs) Um, If you're just tuning in, um, you are listening to Coastal Conversations here on WERU Community Radio. And our topic today is Maine's Maritime Heritage um, and Experience Maritime Maine, a sort of new initiative that focuses on the maritime heritage. We're going to take a short break for just a minute um, and encourage you all listeners to um, call the station and get involved in the pledge drive.
1: 1 800 643 6273. That's the number to give us a call. I'm Amy Brown here with Matt Murphy with some numbers for you.
7: Yes, uh, our totals right now, we're going for $14,000 this week and we have 11,566. And if my math is correct, that leaves us 2,434 to go by 10 o'clock on tomorrow morning after the coffee house. And we can do it, you can do it. Our goal for new members 49, I'm sorry. 100 we have 49 so far with 51 to go That's um, great. and we'd love to have that number boost up but so it's we can do it you can do it out there to get that you know, roughly twenty five hundred dollars to uh, finish the finish the pledge drive on a strong note, and you can do that by calling one eight hundred six four three six two seven three one eight hundred six four three six two seven three or online at weru dot org. And Amy, I just wanted to say how what more appropriate subject is there for community radio, local community radio, than this?
1: Right, and and I've been saying this all week, but the people who put on who the producers of these local news and public affairs programs do so much work. And the hour that they're on the air just represents the tip of the iceberg for the work that they put into it. So it's really important that you show your support. 1-800-643-6273. Make a pledge. Let Natalie Sprinkle, who hosts Coastal Conversations and all of the other hosts of our public affairs shows, know that you're out there. And I just want to tell you a few of the things that she's covered just in the last few months here on Coastal Conversations. In January, the topic was where have all the shrimp gone? Back in December, uh, Maine seafood traditions, what's the role of seafood in Maine's holiday traditions. uh, Talked about the Maine sardine drop in November. It was Maine scallops, what makes them so great. In October, marine debris and microplastic pollution in our oceans. In September, phenology and citizen science, how can phenology, the tracking of seasonal changes with plants and animals in our community, help inform climate change research? And in August, and that's as far back as I looked, they talked about the University of Maine's coastal ocean observing observing efforts. So a lot of really important hyperlocal stuff. And when you say, where else are you going to hear this? This is one show that really can legitimately ask that question. This is hyperlocal very main centric very important for our community one 6273 show your support and appreciation
7: we 've got programs on uh, other uh, boat talk also on uh, on the water We have um, family corner uh, dealing with family issues in the in the area services and the issues folks are dealing with Wabanaki windows uh, and also uh, Main Arts Alive, dealing with so many issues that are main focused. Your support is really, really essential to keep this programming going. 1 800. 643 6273
1: And we're going to go back into the program. Natalie, I think it looks like may have a person or two to thank, but we want to keep those phone lines lit up. Keep calling 1-800-643-6273. We're having drawing at five o'clock today. Yes, for- five
7: o'clock for the book, Dark Money, The Hidden History of the Billionaires Behind the Rise of the Radical Right. And this is uh, a New York bestseller. It is a uh, a really important book. Jane Mayer is the author, and we'll be doing the drawing for this book, donated by Bookstacks Bookstore in Bucksport. Say that five times fast, and uh, we'll do that uh, at the, during Democracy Now, during the uh, right at the uh, near the beginning. One 6273 And thank you for all the support.
1: And everyone who calls in during the Public Affairs Block will yes. get in that drawing that will be taking place at five o'clock. So you have until eleven o'clock to call in to get your name in the watering can for that drawing. Going to send things back over to Natalie in the other studio. Thanks for listening, and thanks for going to your phones at 1-800-643-6273.
2: Great. Um, Welcome back to Coastal Conversations. This is Natalie Springle, your host from the University of Maine Sea Grant program. And our topic today is Maine's Maritime Heritage and um, the Experience Maritime Maine Initiative. And I have in the studio with me Kathy Goldner from the Penobscot Marine Museum, which is located on Route 1 in the heart of Searsport. Um, I also have Meg Maiden of Maine Windjammer Association, and you guys have boats sailing out of Rockland, Rockport, and Camden. Did I get that right? Camden and Rockland, yes. Okay. Um, and then we have Brooke Minner of Northeast Historic Films, which is located in downtown Bucksport, and we have Rich Hillsinger of Wooden Boat School, which is located in Brooklyn. Right. Got all the locations right. Great. Um, so I wanted to um, open up the phone lines, um, not just for pledges, but also to um, encourage folks. If you have thoughts about Maine's Maritime Heritage or have questions for these guys, um, feel free to call. Our number is um, for calling to this program is 1-866-625-9378. Uh, that's one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, or you can call four six nine zero five zero zero. And I think that we have a caller on the line. Welcome.
0: Hello, this is Paul from Belmont. Hi, Paul. Um, so I've been a sailor my entire life since I was a kid in Connecticut, and uh, I currently have a twenty-six foot sloop, but about 25 years ago out of wooden boat nostalgia and foolishness i purchased a hey paul
2: can uh, you speak up a little bit
0: yeah i about 25 years Thank ago you. out of nostalgia probably i purchased this beautiful boat that i didn't know anything about except i knew it was a uh, a racing sloop it's about 30 feet long and i had this dream of restoring it so i kept it covered and p- took care of it and and just recently, in the last few years, I discovered what I had. It's it's her name is the Zicky, and she was owned by the first Commodore of the Northeast Harbor Yacht Club, and she is called a knockabout and is in the same class of boat that the uh, uh, FDR had uh, to race in up in Campobello, and uh, so I have this I have this boat, and for the last three years, I've been researching her history. I have of uh logs of her repairs and the people who owned her i've talked to people whose parents had honeymooned on this boat and i'm this is just an excellent opportunity to to talk to rich and to the museum folks and to the general public i i do not have the wherewithal to save this boat for the rest of my life or to restore she's The hull is intact, the the top sides are essentially intact, and I would just, this boat was built in 1898, and her first home was the Northeast Harbor area, and she was one of the first racing boats on the coast of Maine, and I believe that I have the oldest racing boat in the state of Maine sitting in my yard, and I just want to get, you know, not give up and have a conversation continue. Um... Uh, around the preservation of this boat. And and even if it's not preserved in its flesh, it would be so wonderful to preserve it in a um, uh, historical context, in in an article or or in information and and quality photographs about this boat. Uh, And we have photographs going all the way back to the original owners in the uh, 18-teens. I'm sorry, 19-teens so a uh, comment from rich would be great uh where do we go from
2: here great well thank you so much paul that's that's a great question we'll ask rich to answer it thank thanks for your call yeah, and thanks, i think paul. the other folks in the room might also have some thoughts for you you've really touched on a key topic here so rich yeah, what do you yeah. think
3: you know paul it's amazing how many uh, phone calls and uh emails and letters we get at wooden boat publications from folks similar to yourself that uh realize that they have something very special in their possession whether they want to get more information about it or whether they are in a position like yourself that you really don't think that you can uh, come up with the time and the energy and perhaps the money to bring that particular boat back to uh, you know it's it's uh, original condition so that she can find herself back out on the water again and, and be enjoyed I'm going to suggest that you take this phone number down uh three five nine four six five one uh one of the wonderful things that we have over at wooden boat publications is an incredible research library and and you want to speak with pat lowne l-o-w-n who heads up our research department pat would be
0: uh
3: very enthusiastic uh uh about what you have and uh might be able to provide more information to you about the vessel um, in regards to how you would go about to uh, complete the restoration the repairs whatever that's a whole another subject we do courses at the school on uh, repair and restorations we've done a number of vessels over the years um, that same phone number that I gave you for uh, Wooden Boat, uh, you could also reach me there. And it probably involves a lengthy conversation. So um, I'm, I really appreciate the fact that you know what you have, and uh, that's the first most important thing. And uh, uh, the rest is uh, just making sure that the, all the planets are aligned so that we can uh, do what we can in assisting you in uh somehow, uh, you know, prolonging the life of that vessel.
2: That's great. Yeah. Brooke. Yeah.
6: I just wanted to add, it's a, it's a good question. And I think, you know, thinking about the experience maritime Maine as a theme, this sort of, um, has it all right. Cause he's got this great old boat and he's researching the history and, you know, there are places where you can learn to do that work and it's cool. I just wanted to mention that, um, Northeast Historic Film has a lot of footage from the Northeast Harbor Fleet. So if if you've not um, contacted us yet, Paul, to see we might have uh, footage of the boat out on the water, you should do that. And also the Northeast Harbor Library um, has a really extensive archive and has lots of information about the fleet. And they might be a good um, place to contact, too. Great.
2: Great. And um, can you just remind us of the website, how Paul might contact Northeast Historic yeah, Films? Yeah,
6: so our website is oldfilm.org, or you can just give us a call at 469-0924. Uh, we take research requests like this all the time, every day, um, and we have three full-time archivists on staff who uh,
2: do this work. Great, great. Kathy, did you want to add anything from the museum perspective on, well, on what what do people do when they find, discover that they have these gems? sitting in their yard? I would be happy
4: to try and... uh, I I don't have an answer myself because um, I do marketing and not curating. Um, We do have limited space in the museum, um, but I would be happy to talk on the phone with anyone if you want to give me a call or email me to uh, put put you in touch with the right people at the museum who might be able to help you. So don't, don't hesitate to, to give us a call 548-2529. My extension is 216 um, or, or email and we'd, we'd be happy to talk with you about this.
2: Great. Um, I'm, I'm curious to ask Meg, um, it, the ships, the boats that are in the Windjammer fleet um have they all sort of gone through these various sort of stories and histories of falling into disrepair and then needing to be repaired and somebody sort of takes on this passionate project and finds the funds? How does that work for some of the larger vessels that you guys represent?
5: Yes, this is a very common theme. Um, Of the nine vessels in the fleet, um, six of them are... um, had you know original lives as fishing boats or oyster boats or that sort of thing, and they all there were many times in their long histories where they needed extensive work, and um, th- they were you know we're very lucky that their owners along the way um, were able to do what was needed, and the current owners all of them um, have uh, restored their vessels um, early in their uh, careers as captains. Um, currently, one of our member vessels, Ladona, she's undergoing an 18-month restoration mm-hmm. right now, which is huge. It's a uh, expensive. Um, the owner, uh, Captain Noah Barnes, he's um, you know working with this great crew, and they're you know using these traditional skills that you know not everyone has um, the ability to restore uh, a, a traditional vessel like this. So it's a huge commitment. Um, and the, the hope is that the boat will, you know, be launched, she will be launched. And uh, the way they make this possible is by offering windjammer cruises, you know, getting people who like this idea of sailing on a historic vessel to come out on their vacation. And that's, you know, that, that fair is what's keeping these boats um, afloat and the passion that the captains have, which is huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And, and then the goal is, you know, eventually they will. The captains will, you know, they they consider themselves stewards, um, more than owners, and just taking care of the vessels and eventually passing them on to the to the next generation.
4: Great. So It doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. This kind of windjammer fleet. This, no, not yeah, like this. It, it just doesn't. This, this is it. Maine has it.
2: Wow. Wow! Um, It sounds like we have gotten someone who called in and pledged, and I just wanted to say thanks to Sid from Appleton who made an additional gift. Great to hear from you, Sid. Thanks for your gift. Um, And so I've sort of, uh, maybe this is a slightly more challenging question. Um, Meg, you were just talking about sort of one of the ways that um, the Windjammer fleet is able to fund the preservation of these boats is through the fees that people pay to come on the boat. And so this is kind of a larger tourism question. So I know that that one of the um, m- sort of mission points of Experience Maritime Maine and a lot of the work that you all do has to do with um, sort of this preserving maritime heritage through tourism. And so help us tease that out because I think sometimes tourism is sort of viewed... Um, with um, potentially there might be a little bit of angst around tourism in terms of what it defines. Does it, you know, how does it contribute? How how does it, I'll ask it, I'll make it simple. How does tourism contribute to the preservation of our maritime heritage? Let's sort of just sort of think about that a little bit. Does anyone have any thoughts about that? And I ask it because sometimes Um, People have a fear of tourism because it might bring sprawl. It might bring sort of Disney World kind of types of tourism, which is clearly not what you guys are about. So what's the connection? Yeah. Uh, I think
5: authenticity is really important. Um, What we've, I think what we all know, but we are also um, told by the Maine Office of Tourism is that people come to Maine more and more because they want an authentic experience And um, that is wonderful (laughs) because we have so much of that. I mean, yes, there are people who want to, you know, just come and see these, you know, beautiful sites. But then you have this opportunity to actually go and, you know, do something, um, you know, really experience them, whether it's for an hour or a day or a week. And you can, you know, not only just look at that pretty lighthouse off in the distance, you can, you know, go inside it and learn about it. Or you can... Uh, you know go out on a fishing boat and you know try hauling a trap and see what that's like so this idea of authenticity and experience and tourism uh, it all goes together and it i think it benefits everyone i think it's you know we're getting we're not anything like that disneyland kind of experience
2: i think yeah yeah, they. Uh, I've I've spent a fair bit of time in Newfoundland and their big marketing. Um, they have huge, gorgeous posters of of the Newfoundland sea and waterfront and little fishing villages and then the outports. And then one of their current sort of marketing logo is Newfoundland and Labrador. It's not Disney World. <laughs> Which I just thought was sort of interesting. <laughs> Does anyone else? Yeah, Rich, do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah.
3: Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting what a lot of us are involved in. Uh, we, we really don't have to push it too hard. You know, Maine itself, uh, the natural beauty of Maine and, and lifestyles, and, the, and again, going back to the history of the, of the entire state, it, those things are a natural draw to people. And uh, there's a lot of folks who live out there in an environment where, boy, it is fast. And, you know, people into their daily routines and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and this environment up here allows people to come up and sort of just slow down, relax. You know, I guess there's that sign at the state line, the way life should be and there's a lot of uh, there's been a lot of jokes made about that but it's very true in what it says you know i mean for for uh, for us at wooden boat school um and at wooden boat um it's amazing to watch the uh transition that people go through after mm. a day or two and just uh, uh letting down their guard and relaxing and finding th- themselves in a community of like-minded people we don't we don't do anything special. We don't. We don't. It's not glitzy at all. We simply open our doors, put out the welcome mat, and allow people to sort of be themselves and to learn new skills or or, or whatever. And uh, that is important to a lot of people. That is essentially important. Our our return rate is sixty percent. Seven hundred to eight hundred people will be involved in our program each season. Sixty percent of them have been there at least once before. Why? Mm. Why? Because of what Maine is all about. You know, just that state of mind that exists here. And it gives them a chance to just get away from the regular daily grind that they're in and just come up and forget about that and be turned on to new things. And when while they're here in Brooklyn at Wooden Boat, they also explore the area, whether they're heading over to Acadia or whether they're going down to Searsport to the maritime museum or the other maritime museums in the state um they get out and get around and there is a lot to see and a lot to do just on the coast alone
2: and when they get out and get around they're spending money in all of our various coastal communities and sure
3: you know they 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 incorporate themselves into what's going on and what and part of what the state is
2: yeah yeah well, we're coming towards the, the end of our time, um, so I just wanted to ask you each if you just wanted to say your website again one more time so that people could reach you um, with any further questions. So, Kathy, what's Penobscot Marine Museum's website? Penobscot Marinemuseum.org. That's easy. And then the Experience Maritime Maine? ExperienceMaritimeMaine.org. Great. And Rich?
3: We have a couple of them. It's uh, WoodenBoat.com and also the, the woodenboatschool.com.
2: Okay, great. And Brooke, you yeah. probably have two
6: as well. We have a couple as well. Uh, so for Northeast Historic Film, it's oldfilm.org. And um, the International Maritime Film Festival has its own website, which is just maritimefilmfestival.com. Um, both of those organizations are also on Facebook and other social media sites, too. Great, thank you. Yeah. And Meg? Our
5: website
2: is sailmaincoast.com. Great. Um, Well, it's been great having you guys. Um, Unfortunately, we've come to the end of our coastal conversation today about Maine's Maritime Heritage and the Experience Maritime Maine Initiative. Um, I'd like to thank all of you for coming in and your good work. Um, We were joined today by Kathy Goldner of Penobscot Marine Museum in Searsport, Meg Maiden of Maine Windjammer Association operating out of Camden and Rockland, um, Brooke Minner of Northeast Historic Films, planning the new film, Maritime Film Festival, and Rich Hillsinger of the Wooden Boat School. Thanks, everyone, who listened and called in with your questions and comments. Paul, great question. Thank you. Thanks also to Sid and others who have called in to pledge. Coastal Conversations is produced with support from the Maine Sea Grant Program at the University of Maine, bringing marine science to Maine people. Join us from 10 to 11 a.m. on the fourth Friday of each month. Our show's theme music, A Following Sea, was composed and performed by Paul Anderson. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Natalie Springle from the University of maine Grant, wishing you a good morning.
0: Support for WERU comes from our listeners, and from the Penobscot Marine Museum in Searsport.